This is the MLW Radio Network. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, Blackheart, the head honcho off the top roast podcast. If you love independent and professional wrestling and like all the juicy gossip of the wrestling industry, then look no further than here, OTTR Headquarters. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitch, and Facebook groups, and whatever that you get your podcast from with our, with our latest Last Week of Wrestling, After Darts, Under Boss's Hard Taste, and now a new upcoming trivia game show, Wrestling Every, coming soon. So if you like what you've seen, you love professional wrestling, you love independent wrestling, you love everything about wrestling just yourself, give us a tune. You know, you would not regret it. Blackheart out. Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. But when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah, yeah the mother, same mother and father. Your room was. Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we us? shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we go we? way back, mate. Yeah. yeah, we should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do. We do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O. Okay, yeah, yeah. Hey, the ending. Hey, it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. Welcome to another episode of the Front Row Material Brand. You know my name. I'm Mike Freeland. It's so good to be back with you. It is interview time again. Gosh, we, we do these interviews, and I said before, it's so fun not only getting to talk to a wrestler about wrestling, but it's more fun to get to talk to a wrestler about who they are as a person. And we have the privilege to get to know Leo Sparrow. Uh, he's going to be with us tonight, and we're going to be talking about his wrestling career, everything that's gone into it so far, training, uh, some of the names that he has gotten the privilege to be trained by, which is a very, very impressive list, where he is in his wrestling career right now, and uh, yeah, just kind of familiarize yourself with somebody who is right now going to be one of the hottest names in wrestling, and I've been told many different things by by a lot of different people, so just, just trust the old Mikester on this one. This guy's going to be someone on your radar. So with that being said, without any further ado, let me go ahead and let me bring him on in. Leo Sparrow, how you doing, buddy? Hello, how are you? Here I am, the King of Kale, the Green Machine, the Son of the Sun, and your Earth Champion, Leo Sparrow. Good to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Man, I tell you what, that belt is sharp looking, my friend. Hold that bad boy up again. Damn. Oh, yo, look at that. The that. Earth Championship on the side here. Certified vegan Leo Sparrow. The other side, we got wow. the old recycle symbol. You know how it is on a blue vegan leather strap gifted to me by Mother Nature herself. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. You already have the charisma right off the bat, my friend. Uh, thank you for carving some time out of your evening to uh, to talk not only about wrestling, but to talk about specifically your career as well. Thank you. Yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be fun. So, you know, when we talk to wrestlers, we, we the first place we like to start off is, you know, what kind of got you interested? Was it something that, you know, you either watched you know, when you were growing up, when you were younger, did you watch it with siblings? Did you watch it with a neighbor, a friend? How did you first get introduced to pro wrestling? And uh, what was your first experience? Uh, my first experience with wrestling was kind of an accident. I was going to a show at the Nassau Coliseum on Long Island with a friend uh, for his birthday. And he brought me to, I guess it was a SmackDown taping or something like that. And during the commercial breaks, we would see the commercials for their upcoming video game i think it was smackdown versus raw 2009 and i was like this is the coolest thing ever so i got the <laughs> video game signed up for the magazine recorded every television programming there was and i was just hooked and i knew it was uh something i wanted to be a big part of for the rest of my life so you were a big consumer right off the bat i mean they got they they hooked you pretty quickly then yes very quickly were there any people, you know, back during that time when you first started getting into wrestling that you really gravitated towards? Was there anybody you were like, man, I really dig this person? I would say my first, the first guy I had in pro wrestling was Zack Ryder. Nice. And then uh, number two, one of my all-time favorites was Dolph Ziggler. Now, we've often got a chance to talk to to Matt Cardona, and he is an incredible individual. He and Brian Myers, incredible people um, who have given back so much to the world of pro wrestling and, you know, really blazing a trail on the independent scene, um, showing that, you know what, there's so many other ways to market yourself, which I think is huge for independent wrestlers as well, is because it shows that there's life outside of some of these big name-branded companies that are on television that – there is a niche market for all of this stuff. It just really depends on how hard you're willing to work for it. Um, so you're you're watching this show at the Nassau Coliseum. You're digging it. You're really, really getting into it. Um, was there a contingent of friends that you had during that time that you guys would kind of have your, your inner circle, if you will, of wrestling where you guys would talk about what's going on? Yeah, uh, not at all. No, I was the only person that I knew that liked wrestling. Uh, <laughs> And when I brought it up at school, I was only made fun of. So I kept it to myself. Oh, not so cool. really me and my family just uh, talked about it. But that was it. So uh, that's that's really all I needed. I had I had my family. So you, you, you had your family. You had it in your heart is the most important thing. You knew yeah. what you liked. And if everyone else didn't like it, well, then that's their problem. Mm -hmm. um, so you're enjoying wrestling. Growing up, were you involved in sports? Were you involved in athletics? Or It's funny you mention that. That's a question I get. Uh, often by people who question me about wrestling is what is the athletic background. And I, I don't have any athletic background. Every sport I ever tried, I either was cut or uh, quit. So I'm happy I found wrestling when I did um, because if I tried it when I was younger, I probably wouldn't have stuck with it. But when I started when I was, I want to say 21, uh, is when I started training during COVID is when I really figured out that you need to, as much as a physical thing it is, it's actually also a very largely emotional, mental uh, strength too. So how did you first find out about where you were going to train or places to train? How did you go through that evolution of, okay, here's where I am, here's where these schools are. Did you go and visit places? What was the process on that? How you ultimately decided where you wanted to go? 
So I train at Creative Pro Wrestling Academy in Hicksville, Long Island, New York. And I don't remember how I found out about it, but I just kind of always knew about it. When I made the decision to start training, it was after I got some bad news. Uh, during Right before COVID, I had interviewed for an internship with the WWE. I was going to business school, had an internship all lined up. They were loving it. And, uh, and then I got the call that it was canceled because of COVID. So there would be no commuting to Stanford every day from Manhattan, which was where I lived. Um, and I decided to go the total opposite route from the business aspect of wrestling behind the scenes to being in front of the camera and joining uh, Creative Pro Wrestling Academy. So let's talk a little bit about the, the internship here for a second. So you were a, a business major in college. How did you end up finding your way to say, hey, how can I connect business with what I'm going to school for? And then the WWE, how did that all come about? I had started setting up some like meet and greets, um, autograph appearances, things like that, and helping out wherever I could. And since I went to business school, I, I have this weird networking brain where I just need to build relationships with people wherever I go. So doing that, going to all these different wrestling shows, it was easy then, and it helps me out a lot now, building relationships with people. It's just a, a good habit, I guess, uh, speaking to people. Did it ever turn about where the WWE reached back out to you towards the end of the pandemic when things were going to be lightening up a little bit where that opportunity would present itself again, or was it kind of just dead in the water? They did. They reached out again and said, we would like to uh, continue where we left off with you. And I made the difficult decision to say that I was no longer interested. Oh. I had other, uh, other endeavors that were more important to me. Wow. That's a, that's a big thing right there. I mean – you know, to get an opportunity and then decide, you know what, I'm in a different chapter of my life right now. I'm different than where I was when this originally presented itself. And that's just the natural progression of life, I think. Absolutely. So, I remember saying that I there were days where I prayed for this moment. And now I just told, very politely said, no, thank you. So you, you, you walked away from that. Were, were you thinking at some point in time you wanted to work corporate? Was that kind of your main direction? I want to work maybe in the marketing or their strategic business side of, of WWE? Yes. When I was uh, still attending school, uh, I went to Baruch Business College in Manhattan. And my, my goal was just work for the WWE. Like by any means necessary, that's where I'm going to end up. That's where I always wanted to be. Um, so that's where I was headed towards. It was like two years of work for that internship. And I had the interviews, went through multiple rounds of it. And then it would all got taken away because of COVID. But when I signed up for creative pro, I, I figured this is what I, I really enjoy. And I didn't think I would because uh, I didn't have that athletic background, but I said that this is, I'm going to, I'm going to make an athletic background for myself. I'll do the work to step up because I really, uh, this is what I want to do. So, so what, so, made create a pro so appealing to you the track record of of the students and the trainers and the credibility when i was looking into different schools um there were some trainers and some students that i hadn't seen around the local independence and then when i saw creative pro i saw max castor i saw mjf i saw pat buck brian myers and like bear bronze and chris statlander i said where, where else would i choose it's only an hour train ride away uh, so why not? Uh, this is where I want to be. It was in my price range. And I said, this is where I will have the most success. If I stick with it, 
uh, and give it 110%, I will be one of those names that I just mentioned. Talk to me a little bit about the process of when you're applying to a school. And, and you know, obviously there is a financial uh, responsibility you have there, whether it's whatever payment arrangements they arrange. But then is there an interview process or do they talk to you? Do they find out whether or not they're going to accept you? How does that whole process work? Do they ever explain that to you? Not necessarily. I would say the interview process comes more through practicality in the ring. As we're doing drills, that's when they can really assess you. But um, I had met Brian Myers, um, one of my head trainers, at a meet and greet on Long Island, which uh, I helped organize. And I said, hey, I'm really interested in signing up for Creative Pro. And he said, okay. Uh, he probably gets it all the time. You know, People want to say, oh, I want to be a wrestler, but aren't necessarily 100% serious about it. So he said, come, come down to the school and sit in on a class and watch it and really – take into account if this is something that you want to sign up for. So I dressed all nice. I went down to the school. I had to, at the time, I would take the train from Penn Station, Manhattan, to Hicksville, Long Island, and then ride my bike from, like, 20 minutes from the train station to the school. Oh, my gosh. So dressed all nice, went, shook everybody's hand, said hello, sit down, shut my mouth, and uh, I really already knew that that's what I wanted to do. So then I talked to Max Caster, who was the trainer for the day, and I said, what equipment do I need? What do I need? Uh, what knee pads and shoes would you suggest? And he gave me everything I would need. And then the next week, uh, he beat the crap out of me <laughs> and made me run the ropes. And then I got the nod of approval. So here I am. So you go down there and you, you basically audit the class and you're sitting there and you're watching everything going on. Um, what were some of the things that you were observing? I mean, was there did they were they running drills? Were they working on maybe promos? What were some of the things that you observed that first time when you were sitting there watching? It was very cardio heavy, which is conditioning was uh, or is a, a value of the school, something very important because if, if you are if you prepare your body for more than what you need during the match, then when you are in the match setting, you are already prepared for it, if, if that makes sense. I know that was a lot of sure. words that didn't make sense. But um, and conditioning is very important and callousing your body. Um, and then when I, when I said beat the crap out of me, I meant doing drills where you're practicing like strikes and stuff and you're selling and things like that. So just uh, seeing how naturally it comes to certain people is very intriguing. So as you're training and you're starting in the process here, were there any people that were in your training class when you started that you kind of gravitated to and really kind of build a, a friendship with? Hmm. Create a pro is interesting because it's very drama free. Everybody likes everybody. It's very easy to get along with everybody that's there. There are multiple head trainers, multiple different students that come and run classes. So were there one or two people that I gravitated towards more than others i'm not exactly sure um yeah i don't i don't think so everybody kind of gets along and you see everybody in an even amount of time so kind of a kind of a really good it's group a group of, effort yeah it sounds That's like, why I like create a pro different from other schools because it's it's an entity and there's a there's a lot of people that put their brains into it so you can pick and choose the the best parts and things that relate to you and the things that translate to your brain to really put out the best product that that I can. 
So when you first started training, I know you you may have had some preconceived notion of what training was going to be like. Did that preconceived notion match up to what was actually going to be happening or what you were going to be going through? Or was it like, whoa, this is completely different than what I thought it was going to be? Yeah, that that sounds more like it. You it's it's wrestling is the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's also the most rewarding. It was uh, more than I was expecting with the cardio, with the, the nerves that I felt. Just nerves. I, I literally threw up multiple times in, the, in my first few months, and I still do. Um, but the first few times was out of nerves. Now it's just because I'm working hard. <laughs> but um, when I was doing promo classes, things like that, it was just I was always uh, didn't really have a fear of public speaking but I knew that it, it mattered a lot to me where I was around with the peers at Creative Pro. And it really caught up. All the uh, the lacking of fear up until then, it all caught up where I was really afraid cutting promos in front of my friends. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm less, less nervous now because I'm more comfortable in who I am. Did you ever find out that that was a kind of a common feeling amongst other people, not just yourself, where it was like, oh, you know, as a class, we're going to be doing this next session. And you're like, oh, shit, like this is what we're going to do. Like, it seems like there was a lot of camaraderie is basically what you were saying with Creative Pro. But did you feel like there was that genuine connection? Like, oh, my gosh, what I feel is what they're feeling as well. Oh, absolutely. And then there are different uh, there's always different levels of experience throughout the class. You, You have Phil Cardigan, who's been wrestling for almost 10 years. Yeah. And then you have me who's been training for I started training August 2020, and then you have someone who just started training a month ago or started training four years ago. There's there's a whole different realm of experience levels, but there's always common uh, similarities in the nerves that we get sometimes. But as through practice makes perfect, as you know, so doing it more, you get more comfortable. And finding your persona uh, is one of the most fun things that you get to do, which you only really get to do a few times in the career if you... Uh, reinvent yourself but when i latched on to leo sparrow as as a character and figuring out who i was that's when nerves settled some people have said this before and i know gosh mikey whipwreck has told me this about a hundred thousand times and and tell me if this makes sense he says when you're out there you're out there but it's not just you meaning it is the character that you are portraying. It's like a, a rock star on stage. So it, it is that persona that you're allowing the crowd to get to know, meaning if you're someone's a little bit shyer, right? Because Jerry Lynn was always saying that he was super shy as well early on, and that when you get into the persona, it's almost like it's a different version of you, which doesn't seem to have as much worry or trepidation because you're not really bearing your heart if any of that makes sense. Absolutely, it does. I just had a match this past Sunday where I it was a, a situation where I was... Something something new to me was, was happening that night, and I was just nervous. And uh, But after I stepped through the curtain, I have to focus on the match. All the nerves went away because I, I can't focus on nerves anymore. I got to focus on the match. I got to focus on being Leo Sparrow because I have to have the ability to control the crowd's perception of me and that's what i need to focus on i I can't focus on the nerves just forget that so the second i step through the curtain it all kind of goes away but leading up to that is when i get uh nervous i feel like in a lot of ways in life in general when you think about something 
it'll it'll mess you up. But yet, when <laughs> the, the rubber yep. hits the asphalt, you're more well prepared for this than you thought. Mind games are a bitch. Yep. And it's like, oh my god, why did I take this and build this up when I knew I had what it takes? And I feel like that's kind of a once again, it's a common thread um, amongst wrestlers. And I feel like it, it's so neat and refreshing to be able to hear this. But let me let me throw this one at you. So as you're training and you're going through these things, you know, the physical aspect is definitely going to take its toll on your body. What was that like coming out of a session? I mean, were you just the very next morning just, oh, my God, I, you know, I can't move or I'm stiff or I'm sore or whatever? Or did you feel like, you know what, my body can handle this? Mm. It's it's definitely a mix of the two, because for my first few months, I would wake up. I mean, I, I trained Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. So Tuesday going into Wednesday, going into Thursday, those consecutive days, waking up Friday is like, oh, my goodness, my body is sore. My neck hurts. My back hurts from taking bumps, hitting the ropes. But when Tuesday comes around, I'm like, I can't wait to do it again. That was my my thought process in, in the beginning of training. And then I remember early on, after feeling sore and hurt, having this internal discussion with myself saying, wow, this really hurts. Is this something I really want to do? And making the decision of, yes, I need to stick with it. I need to see it through. Because if I don't, then I will just live in regret. And that's not something I'm interested in doing. It's... You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I feel like a lot of people, at least nowadays, that we've pulled the curtain back and, and it, it is f one of the most athletic things you can possibly do. And you have injuries and it's brutal. Um, but I feel like now a, a higher sh light is being shined on the fact that how hard is it? Like when I watch people and, and like you wrestle day in and day out, day in and day out, it's like. How do these people continue? And I know they build up a certain callus to a certain extent, but I mean, your body is in that perpetual cycle of being hurt to now healing a little bit, being hurt to then healing a little bit. So it's one of those things where you almost just kind of have to accept this is this is the nature of the beast, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. I rem I listen to a lot of wrestling podcasts and uh, read the books and things like that. I try and absorb as much as I can. And one of the things... I believe it was D'Lo Brown who was like, if if you are a wrestler, you need to understand that every day you step out of bed, you're going to be in pain and you need to you need to accept that. So if you're going to be a wrestler, you just you just need to know that that is your future. And if you're OK with that, by all means, continue. But if you're not, quit while you're ahead. So I, I just remember having this uh, this moment of thinking to myself that the more I go to training, the more I'll learn how not to get hurt or it'll hurt less. So it, I'm training my body and I'll, I'll be, I'll be okay with it. Basically. Any injuries so far in your career that have been oh, man. big, big ones that have been like, Oh shit, I can't believe this is happening. Mainly like annoying things. I, I, I chipped my tooth twice. I bit through my tongue on the side. I bit through it. I've bit my tongue before I bit through my tongue. Um, I separated this, my right shoulder twice right now. I, I messed up the tendon in my ankle. Uh, my, my, uh, <laughs> my knee cap is like not centered anymore. I've, oh I've only been wrestling for a few years. So, uh, 
Holy As I learned, though, I learned to protect my body more. So have there been people that you've gotten a chance to talk to while you've been working at or been training at Creative Pro and whatnot that were giving you really good lessons like uh, guest speakers or anything like that that were able to kind of shed some some good wisdom onto you as far as, hey, man, remember this or, hey, I didn't do this when I started out, but I, I think you should do this. Sure. Yeah. Um, there there are some guest trainers that come to Creative Pro every now and then, like Taz has shown up. MJF has shown up, um, different people stop by every now and then, but I also like to do seminars. Uh, there was a while during COVID where we were doing virtual seminars. One of them being with Mikey Whipwreck and, um, like I said, books, podcasts, I'm always looking for that one piece of advice or that one liner. That's really just going to change my, my attitude, my perception and make something click in my brain to, to say, all right, I'm glad I heard that. And I have a, I write everything down. So I have a list of things in my phone of different quotes and different things that I've heard that will help me along the way. It's funny you mentioned that because some of the wrestlers we've talked to, and it's funny, the more people you do interviews or I call it conversations, but they, they, a lot of people carry a journal with them or a notebook Mm -hmm. and they'll write different stuff down. Yeah, exactly. And (laughs) I find that the successful ones we've talked to, they document the shit out of things because they always want to remember, they want to go back and they want to look at something. And I'm like, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's not only mentally preparing yourself, but it's mm-hmm. also documenting things that people have said and what they've done and, and whatnot. Um, Absolutely. This little, this little journal that I have right in front of me, this is um, different, like funny stories or things that somebody told me or things that we learned that I wanted to recap from class or different seminar notes, things like that. Something I read in a book I wanted to jot down. So this is like uh, really like my, my master notes, things like that. And then I have a Google sheet where I document like all my expenses, all my matches, um, things like that. So I, I, I really like to remember things. So that's I, I write it all down so I can always reference it. You're a very organized individual. I will tell you that. <laughs> I like to think so. You are, I mean, business school man. Look at this good-looking dude. He's gonna go far, but he's got this. He, you've, you've got this mindset of success, and I think that that definitely that comes across when you speak to people. That you know, you have a focus, you have a drive, and the organization stuff doesn't surprise me at all. It just that's just part of the whole package. So you're going through this training, and obviously, cardio is definitely uh, stressed upon a big thing too. What else is it? I mean, what else other things did you find that were physically demanding? I mean, was it a lot of heavy weights? Was it bag work? Was it the ropes? What were some other things that you were like, I'm just completely blown up? Um, the physicality is always comes as, as a surprise to people. Um, when I'm training with people and, and we're going over things like, like strikes or things like that, those are some of my funds that some of the most fun things I like to do because when I'm training with my friends, I hit them. I I hit them hard always in safe places that it stings for a second, but then it's like, Oh, all right. And then I expect it right back. So I get to hit my (laughs) friends. They get to hit me. That's fun. But it always comes as a shock to people when they, when they're new and when they sign up, but something that's stressed a lot is uh, creativity, throwing something at at the wall, see if it sticks. Um, uh, a note that I remember from doing the Mikey Whipwreck seminar was if you can pop the boys, you can pop the people. 
So that's something I, if I can make my friends laugh with something, I'm like, all right, I, I can work with this here. Would so you say creativity is important? Was where I was would going. you say that the creativity aspect is hard for some people who may gravitate well to the physical aspect of it, but it's just when it comes to putting the character, the personality, the being able to speak, that seems to be the real hurdles that some people really struggle with. Definitely, definitely. You, you, some things you just can't teach, and there are some things that are so obvious to other people that I might not think of. So I, I try and ask everybody I can, hey, my character, which is also myself, is a, I'm, I'm a, a passionate, raging vegan and, uh, you know, animal activist, environmentalist. What's something you can come up with off the top of your head? A, a move, a catchphrase, uh, a gear, something like that. And then they'll be like, oh, have you tried this? And I'll say, I never, I never would have thought of that. Like, thank you for that. I'm, I'm going to remember that. So I try and ask everybody that. Um, but being creative, I, I'm always thinking about it. I never know where I'm going to take inspiration from. So my, my eyes and ears are always open when it comes to something like that. But creativity is not always something that comes easy to everybody. With Leo Sparrow, was there ever any inspiration from other people or other characters or personas that might be a hybrid or a mixture? Is there anybody you could maybe give us the inside information on how you kind of came through that evolution of, hey, this is who Leo Sparrow is? Yeah, sure. So when it, when I first came up in my in my first few months of training, I, I had a character that was very Animal Kingdom based. I have a list in my phone of every wrestling move you could think of that has an animal in the name or food or something like that, animal based. And um, when I was explaining it to people or when I was cutting promos, the biggest feedback I got was, I don't get it. You need to you need to tighten the screws a little bit. You need to pick a lane and go go in that lane. So then, I I figured what was and then so, <laughs> a a different thing that was told to me early on was you really look like an asshole. You just oh, have oh a really gosh. annoying face. I really want to punch you. That the things told to me very early on. They said, so you need to be that annoying character. And I'm thinking, what is something I can evolve into that people don't like? And at the same time in my life, I was making the transition to a vegan lifestyle. And through my research in that, I found that people really don't like vegans. So I said, really? I'm just going to go full force on that. Why not? I'll be annoying. In my entrance, I have a green velvet bag that I take spinach out of and I throw it in your face. You know, I'm standing in the in the ring. I'm yelling plant power, looking like I'm protein deficient. But <laughs> but uh, people were getting upset at me. And then through getting good at that, then I've I've been good at, at making people like me as well, because not everybody thinks I look like an asshole. I was going to say, I, I would not think you look like an asshole. Whatsoever. <laughs> I was like, you. that would be the that would be the furthest from my mind. Um, but I think it's really cool that you are able to be you're incorporating and you're embracing what your beliefs are as a person into your persona as well. Right. Because I think if you were able to do that, it's going to be, it's real. It's not like, Oh, I got to remember I have to do this or I have to do that. This is who I am. Right. right. So 
I, I did not know that vegan people were, were generally kind of frowned upon in society. That's a shame. These yeah. people are eating healthy. They're saving the lives of animals. And right, all you, exactly. All you pricks out there <laughs> enjoying your hamburgers, you little bastards, you don't have no idea that you just took yep. somebody's baby calf away from them. Goodness. What did you have for dinner today? Um, Let's see. What, what did I have so far today? Gosh, let me think here. Oh, jeez, this is terrible. Mm. Um, you know, I don't even answer that. I, I can already tell you you're a hypocrite. So, uh, <laughs> well, first of all, if you would have a full body image of me, you'd be like, "Yep, <laughs> that ain't <laughs> asparagus giving it to him." That's right. But, um, but yeah, no, so, yeah, I think- that that is something that I I value in my life. That I was very lucky to be able to twist that into wrestling. Because um, one of the things when I was in high school looking into colleges, I was either going to go for business or environmental science. So I I chose business, which has helped me with my individual brand management, but also getting to um, intertwine that environmental side of things. It's like the perfect match. I, I won the lottery. I'm very happy with where I am. No, it sounds like everything you've done has been well thought out in, in, painstakingly put together for for specific reasons it's not like oh i'm just going to do this for for willy-nilly like no i'm if i'm going to do something i'm going to make sure it's worth being done or it's just a complete waste of my time Mm -hmm. um so you're training there and obviously training you know is going really well was there a point in time and, and maybe i'm repeating myself when you felt like things really started to come together like okay now it's 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 either one specific moment or maybe it was over the course of several weeks or whatnot, but like that, okay, boom, 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 I got that. Boom, 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 we're putting this together. And like all of a sudden things really started to flow for you. It is a continuous thing. And I really feel like there will never be a point where I say I know everything about wrestling. But as I, there's there's never a class that I go to at Creative Pro where or or a match that I have where I say, oh, I really wish I didn't have that match. I really wish I didn't go to that practice because there's always something that I learned from every everything. And uh, going going into classes and matches with things that I want to focus on, questions that I have, uh, and things that I'd like to work on is, is always helpful because when you go to a class and there's 10 people and nobody has anything in mind that they want to work on, it's, it's kind of, uh, it, it doesn't really lead anywhere. But when I'm here when I'm sitting around or if I'm laying in bed and say, oh, you know what? I would really like to work on that. I'd really like to fine tune something. Um, then it gives me a goal and I'm, I'm all about setting goals and achieving them. So that's uh, things I like to try and perfect, but I know that I will never come close to it, but learn as much as I can along the way. Just kind of be a sponge and absorb as much as you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my, talk- my very non-vegan reference or analogy would be eat the meat, separate the bone. Oh, oh, that's a good one. And it's funny. Ever since you said come up with with moves that are animal related, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been sitting here going. Hmm. <laughs> so by the end of this, I'm going to see if I can give a few. I might not get too many right, but I'll I'll try to give you a couple of them. My my moves now are mainly um, vegan food based. Not, oh, not oh, oh, okay. See, that's uh, that's out of my wheelhouse. I'm a fat mm-hmm. ass. So, so I, can, I do the sliced bread. I do the the broccoli buster. Nice. I do the fruit punch, which is a Superman punch. The broccoli buster is uh, my version of a Bronco buster, but much better because I do it. Right. I do the – since I'm the son of the sun, I don't do a moonsault. I do a sunsault. Ooh. 
I do uh, a lot of different uh, plant-based. When people ask me, what is your style of wrestling? I say plant-based. And you can do it with a straight face and then just see what they say, right? Absolutely. That's tremendous. That's tremendous. Um, Let's talk about gear for a second. I know a lot of times wrestlers, especially when you're training and you're getting going, hey, what do I need to bring? And or how do I even get gear, you know, get towards the end of training and you're like, okay, I'm going to do a show. Did anybody point you in the direction of, hey, talk to this person or talk to that person? This is how you get your your outfit that's part of your persona put together. What What's that process like? Um, my, my gear that I wear during my matches was something that I came up with myself because it was kind of like my own uh, vision for what I wanted Leo Sparrow to be. Um, so it's something that, like, I taught myself how to use Adobe Photoshop, Adobe Illustrator, Adobe Premiere Pro, putting together videos, putting together graphics, things like that. I designed all my logos. I designed the Earth Championship. I designed the gear. Um, so it can really be a product of my own brain uh, and something that I can be proud of. Um, but it's it's putting it on the on the computer and making a, a nice presentable graphic so I can give it to a gear maker and then they bring that to life. So if I have vegan leather boots, it's something that is functional and keeps me safe, but also fits with um, the message that I'm trying to convey. I like that. Very cool. Um, a lot of people have said before, you know, after you get out of training and you start going to different shows, to always show up to shows you're not even booked on just to see if anybody needs an extra pair of hands. What's your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? And have you ever done something like that? Yeah, I, I try and do it as often as I can. And another, I, I actually, I reviewed my, my notes from the Mikey Whipwreck seminar. So another thing that was fresh on the top of my head was he said to get as much work as you can. And something that Pat Buck told us recently, um, which is along the same lines but different, was don't accept an opportunity if you're not ready for it. So there will be times where I show up to smaller independent shows for to help set up the ring. This is earlier on, but I, I still do it continuously. If I uh, have a free day or something and there's a wrestling show going on, I'm sometimes I don't go into it with the mindset of, Oh, I'm trying to get on this show. I go into it with the mindset of who can I, who can I meet there? What relationships can I build, um, and how how can I help the show? Not necessarily what can I directly benefit from it. So, I I do try and fill up my weekends with um, sh- matches that I have. But if there is a day where I don't, then of course I will always show up at a show to help out. We've often heard on the indies, and you don't have to disclose anything, but it's uh, it's tough. It's it's uh, a very difficult thing to start getting M-O-N-E-Y coming into your pocket when it comes mm-hmm. to that. Sometimes it's a few bucks. Sometimes it's nothing at all. Sometimes it's food from the concession stand. So Listen, I, I can't even get a hot dog and a handshake. <laughs> I just – at this uh, Creator Pro show last Sunday – which is streaming live now on the Major Pod Network uh, Twitch channel. You can see my match. They gave me a uh, vegan hot dog. The the guy at the concession stand was like, dude, you've wrestled here so much. I feel so bad for you because all you eat is French fries. He said, so I went out and I bought this package of uh, vegan hot dogs 
just so you can eat them. So I was walking around in front of all my friends, and I just went up and I stood next to them and I ate my hot dog. <laughs> and they looked at me, and then they did a real quick double take. What are you doing? <laughs> so I'm eating a hot dog. Leave me alone. He said, "That's not vegan." I said, "Yes, it is. It's a vegan hot dog." Damn right. And you're like, wow, awesome. So uh, I I always uh, try and get different people to join in with me when I'm taking a trip to a show. If it's a, a younger student or something, I'll be like, "Hey, what are you doing this weekend? If if you want to come to the show, you can." Uh, I'm not I'm not a fan of forcing people to get in the car because if if you're gonna succeed, it needs to be on your on your own uh, work ethic. So I, I'm I'm also one to ask, "Hey, can I drive you to this show?" If uh, somebody that I know is booked on a show, I always offer my services, my my Toyota Prius, my green smart, vehicle. Smart, right there. You're the wheels for these people. I like I am it. The wheels. So, give me a road story or an interesting car situation, because wrestlers always have the best damn stories because they are such an eclectic group of people. Um, or maybe you're driving and you're like, "What? Wait, wait, wait! What? What the hell is happening in my car right now?" Oh yeah, um, I, I've had some things. I've I made my live debut when. Uh, we had our first show after COVID, which was last July. It's, it's like in three days or something, a, a year ago. So I, I haven't had too many opportunities for crazy road stories, but I have a few. Um, I got in an accident once in the middle of the night where my dad had to come pick me up from Pennsylvania along with some of my other friends. So my car broke down on the side of the road, which really was not fun in, uh, in the winter. But that's a that's a sad story. I won't tell that. And hmm, funny things. I can tell you that there some some wrestlers are courteous and respect your vehicle, and some wrestlers don't have that um, don't have that presence of mind to to respect your vehicle. So, and I I can tell who's who, who who leaves their trash things things like that. But it's about uh, eating in the car. So. I don't care if you eat in the car. As long as you clean up after yourself, you're, you're cool. You can eat in my car, whatever that's, you want. That's reasonable. That is reasonable. Thank you. Yes. But there was <laughs> one other wrestler who will not be named that got into my car, and I know he's going to make a mess. I already know that he does not <laughs> give a damn about my car. So he said, do you mind if I eat in your car? I said, what do you got? He said, it's, uh, it's mashed potatoes and ground turkey. I said, dude, this is a vegan car. You know I'm a vegan. Mashed potatoes and what was it? Ground turkey. Ground turkey. Oh, jeez. He said, do you mind if I eat it? I said, oh, you got turkey and mashed potatoes? I said, no, sorry. It's a vegan car. I can't. <laughs> he said, oh, man, yeah. you should really have a sticker or something that says I can't eat in your car. I'm like, what do you think? I'm an Uber? What is this? <laughs> A sticker. Yeah. So. Oh my God. That's all I got Unbelievable. Right wow. Wow. Would you say that it, it sounds like wrestling has definitely outside of the the wrestling itself? I feel like that's almost secondary in a lot of ways. Like the experience of wrestling is is something that is oh, bigger absolutely. than that. Being in the ring is the least amount of time that you actually spend um, in the wrestling world. I guess. Because if you have 10 minutes for a match, you're, you're only 10 minutes. But if you're driving three hours to get there, you got endless conversations you could have. You learn 
so much in the car and I really try and surround myself with people that I perceive to be winners and successful because I want to learn from them. I want, I want to learn what, what got them to that point. So when I message Brian Myers or Max Caster or VSK and say, Hey, do you mind if I drive you to this show? It's just so I could pick their brain for a few hours. It's like, that's priceless to me. That's, that's something that I feel very fortunate uh, to have that if I say I lived on the West coast, I wouldn't have that. Is there anybody who also shares the vegan love that you do and feel free to name drop if you'd like anyone else you feel like, wow, you know what, or that maybe I should rephrase it maybe is on the precipice of becoming a vegan and you are, are leading them down that road. So they officially can become a, a part of the click. I Anybody? will give a shout out to one of the other creative pro uh, oh, graduates, actually uh, Jack Tomlinson stopped me at our most recent show and said, what can I do to have a more sustainable lifestyle? And I was like, you got the right guy. And I just <laughs> rattled off everything I knew. And he said, uh, yeah, okay, I'll do one of those things. <laughs> but walking by um, a fan, he said, hey, you're the reason I went vegan. And that was that was something cool to hear. That wow. was something I've never heard before. So when, when people come up to me at shows, they discuss things like, oh, my my girlfriend is vegan or, oh, my daughter is vegan or my my brother is vegan or something like that, something to that extent. What choices can I make that would be helpful to the environment, to my health, to the animals, anything like that? Um, think Things like that is what, is what I love to hear. Or, hey, there's this – there's this vegan restaurant up the block that you're not from Massachusetts. You wouldn't know about. So if you want to go, here's the information. Or I just tried this brand. You should try it out. Or you should collaborate with them or something like that. I, I love love hearing things like that. So if, if I'm going to have a cup of coffee and yeah. I have coffee but I put regular creamer in it, that's a no-go in the vegan world, correct? That's because no that, correct. that is a byproduct from an animal. Mm-hmm. So I would need to either just drink it straight black um, or is there vegan creamer? I'm sure there's vegan creamer, yep. right? I use almond milk creamer every morning. Very nice. I, you know, I still don't understand how they get milk out of almonds. Uh, uh, the udder is small, but it's there. There is a teat. A teat is involved. You so know what I was, I was, <laughs> I was thinking about, God, this is so much fun. You, you mentioned you take things and then you turn them to where they can be vegan, right? Yeah. So your good friend MJF from Creative Pro, his tagline is, "I'm better than you, and you know it, right?" Right. What happens if you change it to, "I'm better for you, and you know it"? Hmm. Hmm. See, writing it down. I'm writing it down. I'm just telling you, you never know. I'm better for you. I'm better for you. You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely and, right. And you know it. My good that- friend. Did you call my good friend? I'm asking. Is he a good friend? Is he a he is, uh, out of all the people I know, he's one of them. <laughs> he's I, definitely I one of them. Wouldn't call him a good friend, but he's definitely one of them. He's <laughs> people, people ask me, what is it like to train with MJF, to be trained by MJF? And I, I've seen people, uh, mess up and get cursed out and spit on. And it's, uh, not something I ever, uh, went through because I was lucky and, picked it up a little quicker, but 
Yeah, yeah oh, I've, I've seen it. He's uh, an absolute... Never mind, he's not a pleasure at all to be around. Wow. Such a loving, caring young man, I see. Yeah. Um, so you, it, it sounds like you've had so many great memories in wrestling with training and doing shows. Any great fan interactions, or I should say memorable fan interactions, wh- whether it's good or bad, I know you have mentioned before, you know, people can yell and this and that, but anything that, that pops into your mind like, oh, wow, it was mm-hmm. this show. Hmm. I don't know about that. It, it always is meaningful to me when I see somebody have a sign with my name on it or wearing my T-shirt. I, I can remember the first time I saw someone with my T-shirt and I was like, whoa, that is really cool. Like, that's not something I expected. Or a T-shirt that you can only get from ProWrestlingTees.com slash Leo Sparrow. Seeing that is like, oh, wow, they actually care about me enough to go on my ProWrestlingTees.com store and buy my shirt. That's That's always something to me or seeing uh, what was your favorite match or my name on it, something like that. So some people don't really care too much about uh, fans, but when I was growing up, going to wrestler meet and greets and having these interactions with them and then later evolving into setting them up myself from the business standpoint and then evolving into becoming the wrestler is always something meaningful to me, and I try and make every experience with a fan something that they – uh, enjoy. Let me ask you this question. Um, oh, before you say that, there yeah. is the the only interaction where I've been like, all right, guy, was is when peop, there was this one guy at a show who came up with to me at my table and tried to say um, that veganism was wrong because of Jesus and how I, I'm a sinner and be- <laughs> I said, dude, I'm I'm cruelty free. I don't I don't know. Wow, that's that's my, that's my a stretch for that to guy. eliminate cruelty and to to spread the love. So you want to talk about Jesus? Okay, you just keep going. Well, hey, at the end of the day, you get them talking. You get them yeah. talking. They'll remember you. As far off as they may be about the Bible, hey, to each their own, my friend. But uh, yeah, something that I that I learned was always always give them something to remember you by. So whether I'm the guy who threw spinach in your face during my entrance or sprinkled it like a Disney princess, if I'm a good guy. Nice. Um, <laughs> Cilantro. Exactly. Or said something during the match or did something during the match or had a good interaction at the at the table that you remembered me by, then I am doing my job. Wow. Um, Brian Myers is a big collector, as, as many wrestling fans know. And I feel like because of what he and Matt Cardona have done, it's, it's really brought collecting into the spotlight. Do you, are you a collector of maybe not necessarily wrestling, but maybe anything? Is there anything that you specifically, I know some people collect shot classes, some people collect coins, wrestling figures, whatever it may be. Do you collect anything? Sure. I collect injuries. (laughs) I collect, um, tickets okay like their baseball cards but not the tickets you're thinking of i'm talking parking tickets i'm talking (laughs) fucking red light tickets i'm talking (laughs) they just they just show up in my mailbox and i don't know how they how it happens but it happens you're a professional Uh, i i drive every weekend so the, (laughs) the likelihood of me getting a ticket is exponentially larger than it would be if i was not a wrestler wow so you are um a Jim Ten uh, collector of those things. 
I have quite the collection. Other than that, um, I do enjoy collecting some wrestling memorabilia. I have, um, I, I do like the action figures, listening to um, Brian and, and Matt's podcast. I also help them out a lot with their podcasts. Like I help run their meet and greet, stuff like that, because nice. that was what I did before I was a wrestler. To, it just kind of comes natural. Um, I do enjoy having action figures of people that have been nice to me or people I've learned from or people that have thrown me into steel cages on national television or people that I've wrestled on Monday Night Raw <laughs> or uh, something like that. So at one of the last Creative Pro shows, Brian came up to me and handed me uh, a, a, an action figure of, of Omas and he said, I, I think you should have this. I was like, and I, I flipped out. I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. This is the largest action figure I've ever seen. I could use this in my match as a weapon. I could flood <laughs> a man's death with this. It is, uh, yeah, re some, something really cool that I have in my collection. I was going to ask you about Omas. Uh, what was <laughs> that like? Man, where do I begin? Um, the, I, w I was called the night before. It was in Philadelphia, and the, I was called Sunday night. I said, can, can you be in Philadelphia tomorrow morning? I said, sure. I mean, if WWE is calling me, I'm going to say yes, right? So uh, I kind of sat around all day, and I, I sat down to eat lunch with all of my other friends who were also booked for the show. There's probably 10 of us there. And then um, my trainer, Pat Buck, who was um, working for WWE at the time, said, congratulations, you're going to be wrestling tonight on Monday Night Raw. I said, oh, oh my goodness, like, you just blew my mind, thank you. Who am I going to be wrestling? He said, Omas. And I said, oh shit. <laughs> Did not expect that. And then I sat down to collect myself and finish my lunch, and then I was approached by uh, Adam Pierce and Omas and said, you're the guy? I said, yup, that's me. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, exactly. Go get changed. So uh, that's what happened. And then I texted my family. I said, hey, can you uh, record Monday Night Raw tonight so I can watch it? And uh, that's that's how it happened. Omos a pretty good dude. Yeah. That's what, I, that's what I've heard. I've heard good things. And that's, that's a huge moment right there. I mean, just once again, sitting under the learning tree in, uh, in, in places where you can talk to other experienced people. I think that's wonderful. Absolutely. It's you really take advantage of every single opportunity that's presented to you. I don't feel like, once again, there's any wasted motion. I know I said that before, but it really seems like you're very calculated on what am I going to do? What am I going to spend my time on? If I am, it's got to be my worth. It's got to be worthwhile. Definitely. Calculated is, is, a, is a good way to describe it because there are plenty of opportunities that I could be taking um, that... Um, you know, <laughs> aren't, aren't exactly safe. Um, but I, I try and take the best out of, out of everything and learn as much as I can through every opportunity that I have. WWE is great. I, I really enjoyed my time working with WWE the multiple times that I did. The first six months of this year, I was, I was there often, you could say. Um, the last few months, they haven't really been around here. Uh, by here, I mean New York, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New Jersey, things like that. Um, but when when they are, you bet I'm going to 
reach out to them and see if they need me because it's always a place where I can sit down, mouth shut, ears and eyes open, and see if I can absorb what I can and build relationships with, with who I can too. You're really not supposed to talk to people, but I try and not push my limits, but push my limits and uh, build relationships with people on their downtime. You know what? You got to do what you can while you have a certain amount of time. Worst they can Absolutely. say is no. Like you said, it's it's calculated. When there are opportunities in front of me, I'm not going to waste it. I mean, if you're in catering with somebody and they're a big name, you can say, "Oh my gosh, you having some potatoes?" Remember, when I got yeah. a ride, tried to get in my car with potatoes, and I put <laughs> the hell out. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, sure. The last thing they want to hear about is my road stories. <laughs> Your vegan Toyota Prius story. Exactly. Yeah. Let me let me ask you. What about um? And I don't know what your your current situation is, but um, I don't even know if this is the right term anymore. Not groupies or whatnot, but we know that that wrestlers um at shows definitely have an opportunity um to to meet some individuals, you know, and, and party after the show. Have you ever partied after the show with any fans, or or is it something where you're like, you know, what I'm going to stick with the boys. Yeah, I would say that. Um, I I normally I'm I'm not a I'm not a big party person. Even when like like I said, I went to college in Manhattan. That was never my scene. The club and bar thing was never really me. Saved a lot of money by not going out and uh, drinking and stuff like that when my other friends did. And um, yeah, not my thing. Normally, we just want to hit the road and get home because if it's if it's Monday Night Raw, it's eleven o'clock, and if we're four hours away from home. I'm not, I'm not going to the bar after this and getting turned, you know, I'm getting in the car. I'm getting my ass home. Yeah. Well, I don't blame you. I worked, I uh, I work at a, a gym. Sometimes I got to be there at 5am the next morning. So oh my I, God. <laughs> there have been times where I, I get home from a show at 3am and then I go and I got to be at work at 5am. So it's, uh, there, it's a very long there turnaround. Well, let me ask you this. Um, so many things that, that you've seen and you've done so far. If you could say the coolest moment so far in your wrestling experience uh, has been what? Mm. For you, coolest. I got two for that. And one is AEW, one is WWE. So obviously wrestling on Monday Night Raw lifetime achievement coolest Correct. thing i could ever do from sitting in the stands and saying that is something i want to do from actually doing it yes is is something that how did i get here kind of moment and the but all the choices i've made in my life have led me to this moment something that i was thinking standing in a wwe ring across from a seven foot four person was not oh my god i'm going to die was <laughs> how the hell did i get here right um but I, I got a chance to collect myself when I was standing in the ring because um, right before our match, they aired like a 45-second promo. So I was sitting there in the dark in front of 10,000 people in the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, and I was just like, this is cool. And I, I felt oddly more comfortable than I do at our local shows because I saw a lot of people, but I didn't see a lot of faces. There was no familiarity there was like i know everybody at our hometown crowd they know me if i if i mess up there i feel embarrassed but if i'm on wwe it was like this is my one opportunity so i'm gonna nail it um 
And it, it was something that I meticulously went over in my head about what to do, how to act, what, where to look, things like that. So the, the reaction I got backstage after that match was very positive, which was good for me. Um, that was a very cool moment. I remember specifically when it, the, the last move of the match was the double choke bomb where Omos grabbed me by the neck and held me above his head. And when he did that, I was looking over his head behind him. And again, I wasn't thinking I'm about to die. I said, that's a lot of people. <laughs> and then I went, splat. So that was that was very cool experience. Um, that was probably the coolest thing. Second, AEW Las Vegas this past Double or Nothing. The Dynamite leading into Double or Nothing was Wardlow versus Sean Spears in a steel cage with MJF as the special guest referee. Mm-hmm. So me being hired as the uh, security guard to guard MJF's life against Wardlow, um, I was picked up and powerbombed into the steel cage and disappeared under the ring only to be found, I don't know, swept up after the show was over. But um, going, so you, going, you stayed under there the whole time? I stayed under there for longer than I should have. <laughs> Definitely. But after that, um, the, the, for the rest of the weekend, I was there, I was there Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And the people I interacted with said, Oh, that was you. That was really cool. And that remember. definitely made them remember, um, the, probably the, the one that stuck out to me the most was, it wasn't something cool was Max Caster texting me and saying, Hey, just want you to know. Everybody in the catering area just screamed because of how cool that was. And second was after CM Punk won the AEW World Championship, I was hanging around the backstage area because I like to absorb those moments. I like to be present and seeing that reception backstage. So I wasn't by any means going to going up to him to shake his hand because that's not my place. But I was standing there and he was exiting and walking past me. And I said, congratulations. And he stopped, and he saw I was wearing a Creative Pro sweatshirt, and he said, is that where you're from? And I said, yes, it is. And he said, great, you're on a good path. And then he walked away, and he stopped, and he turned back, and he said, wait a second. Aren't you the guy that got powerbombed into the cage and disappeared? What? And I said, yes, that was me. And he said, great fucking job. And he walked away, and I picked up my bag, and I left because there was no way that that could get any better. I, dropped I, the I, mic. I, I'm out. Dropped the mic, left the arena. I I missed the bus to get back. to. I just walked back to the hotel. <laughs> I just walked back by myself in a city I've never been in before with my suitcase just uh, thinking, did that really just happen? Like, what? what is this? What kind of backwards world am I living in? Or that just happened to me, you know? CM Punk complimented you on what you did. Yeah. After he just won the world title. Holy. Blew my mind. Holy my mind. Once again, man, you make things happen. That's just (laughs) who you are, man. Thank you. You do. And it has been nothing but a pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. And I know there's so much more meat on the bone to to go into in different things. Um, Is there any chance that we could uh, twist your arm to come back again? I would love that. I think that would be very fun. And... 
a a vegan alternative, I would say, to meat on the bone would be corn on the cob. So uh, good consider call. making that sustainable change in your life. I need to. I definitely need to. Um, plugomania time. Uh, Ooh, plugomania. So the, yeah, let's do some soch. Let's do some dates. Wh- whatever you want to say, the floor is yours. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Well, once again, my name is Leo Sparrow. I'm the son of the sun, the earth champion, the king of kale, the green machine. Anything you got, I got a bunch of them. But you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, at no steak, all sizzle. That's at no steak, all sizzle. Uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Leo Sparrow. You can find me on Facebook. Follow me there. That's where I post a lot of my upcoming dates as well. Um, I have a YouTube channel where I post some of my uh, clips, matches, anything like that. Some upcoming dates right here. I have this Friday. I don't know when this is airing. Do you? Can you enlighten this me? This is going to be airing on Friday. Friday. Uh, this Friday, July 29th, I'll be at WrestlePro, uh, New Jersey. Uh, the day after, July 30th, I will be at Outlaw Wrestling in Queens, New York. August 6th, I will be at CWA Fishtown Beatdown, which sounds very non-vegan in Massachusetts. August 13th, I will be making my debut for MCW, which is in Maryland. And the 19th of August, I will be in Butler, uh, New Jersey for ISPW, the Independent Superstars of Pro Wrestling, where I am the current tag team champion with my partner, GKM. uh, And we will be doing our first ever... TLC match, which oh, good God. really surprised me because I thought he meant uh, tofu, lettuce, and cauliflower. But right, that's what that I was is thinking. Not what he meant. That is not what he meant at all when he said it's going to be a TLC match. So we have to do a lot of preparing going into that. But uh, we're excited about it. So that's where you can catch me for the next two weeks. I'll be in four states over the next two weeks, and whatever else pops up in the meantime, I'll be there. Man, it's, he's always ready. He's always ready. Always prepared. You, uh, you have the Amber Crombie and Fitch look. I tell you what, you, you, you know what I, you know what you remind me of. Okay, I'm just gonna go out here and say it. Go ahead. You, you got a mixture of like Billy Kidman and Christian Bale. That's what mm-hmm. I get. I get the Billy Kidman look versus like I don't know. I that American Werewolf in London or American Psycho or whatever that is. You have that just that that look. Maybe that's just mm-hmm. me in a good way. In a very good way. Very oh, in a very good way. way. All right. I'll very take marketable it. I'll take way. It then. Well, thank you. And you have very good taste in artwork. That is beautiful, whatever's behind you. That, that oh, is... I, I painted it. Thank you. That's freaking awesome. Very cool. <laughs> thank you. I try and be uh, creative in more outlets than just wrestling. So, Well, if you need to get your life in order and you need to clean up your diet, then I highly recommend you go to these shows and you seek out Leo Sparrow because Absolutely. he is what's best for you, and you know that. That's right. I am best for you, and you know it. Leo, thank you so much for your time, my friend. We will definitely chat with you down the road. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you really for having me today. This was a lot of fun. I got to talk about a lot of cool things about my early career. Um, Early career. I don't have a career yet. This is is just wrestling for me. This is will be a career, but not yet. So my, my first year in wrestling, which, if I can plug real quick, um, I sent out a tweet about a month ago that said at pro wrestling illustrated magazine, I would really love it if I could be considered for uh, rookie of the year award, which Ooh. has always been like somebody on 
television. Like last year, I think it was Jade Cargill, somebody who has that national exposure. But there's always been a, a list of top candidates, uh, 10 or so people who are considered a top candidate for, for that um, award, which the next morning I woke up and I was nominated for that. So that issue will be coming out in the, I want to say the Women's 150 issue um, okay. around October. So if you find a ballot that says year-end awards, rookie of the year, just write in a little Leo Sparrow when you see it there. Maybe uh, maybe I can be the first ever non-televised guy to take home that award. You know what? I like it. I like it a lot. You are on your way, my friend, and I usually say I wish people luck, but you know what? Luck is for other people. You don't need it. You've got everything you already need, my friend. I will chat with you soon, okay? Thank you very much. You got it. All right, guys, that is Leo Sparrow. You know, how fun is it to be me, to be able to get to talk to pro wrestlers, to, well, that was a that was an ottoman that just officially broke because my big fat legs are sitting on it. So I definitely could benefit from becoming vegan uh, like Leo. Anyway, this was great. Got to learn about, you know, growing up in his in childhood and, and getting to go to wrestling events and finding out, you know, when he really was going to start training and then create a pro and sitting under the learning tree and just basically picking brains of people and being very meticulous on what he does as well. You you got that feeling very quickly during the interview that he knew what he wanted to do. And if you've heard uh, hundreds of these interviews that we've done, and you can find them all in our catalog, you find one consistent theme amongst all these wrestlers. They're all very driven. There's not a single wrestler that we've met that is not driven to succeed. And on Monday Night Raw, think about that. Went from the fan, now he's in the ring at Monday Night Raw. He's got CM Punk giving him kudos. There's so many cool moments that I feel like the wrestling experience is more than just what happens in the ring, and he touched upon that as well. So I tell you what, I had so much fun. This was great. I hope that I can uh, twist his arm to, uh, to have him come back again and tell us more about his career. But with that being said, my name is Mike Freeland. It has been fun. It's been real. It's been real fun. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Front Row Material Brand. The world of NLW Radio never stops.